I'm Steve Shapiro, and this is Experience Matters. Welcome to Experience Matters, the podcast that explores the life-changing childhood experiences that go on to shape our adult identities. Sometimes we experience breakthrough learning in schools, but often our most profound learning happens outside the classroom, sometimes outside the school environment altogether. We'll explore those powerful learning experiences here and think about the implications for how we can reshape American schools. Education can take many forms, but whatever form it takes, experience matters. Eric Acton is a local legend. Born and raised in Bexley, he's about to retire after 33 years teaching and coaching in the district. He's been a favorite teacher for countless elementary and middle school students, and he's touched the lives of many more as a cross-country coach. Now, anyone who meets Eric would assume he was a natural, an obvious teacher, a coach, a developer, an encourager. But the truth is, when he graduated from high school, Eric never imagined that he would be a teacher. It took one significant instance of experiential learning to completely transform his self-concept and his life trajectory. What led Eric to this life of significance and contribution? It involved the Girl Scouts. That's right, the Girl Scouts. And the Columbus Science Center. And a guy named Jarvis. Here's Eric's story. Eric Acton, welcome to Experience Matters. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because we've known each other a long time and you have always seemed like such a natural, like as a teacher, as a coach. I mean, you just are so good at this. And it really shocked me when I found out that you almost didn't become this great educator that you became. I wanted you to maybe start the conversation by talking about what were you like as a kid? What were you like in high school? What kind of kid were you? Oh, wow. (laughs) So go, <laughs> Sorry to take you back to say, yeah. I don't know. Luckily, um, I'm free to speak on that because all the files hit the police department yeah, right. and shredded. Yeah, that's right. There's Statue no electronic yeah. records. <laughs> well, as a, a young man and a, and a kid, I would say introvert. I always sat at the back unless they placed you in you know, alphabetical order to keep track of who you were. So that was always uncomfortable for me being in the front. Why? Because I never raised my hand ever, ever, and never got involved in class discussions. I looked and listened, but I was an introvert. I um, was not a stellar student either. I kind of looked at school as just part of the day, but I didn't take it necessarily seriously. So what did you imagine yourself doing when you were 16, 17 years old? Like, what did you see your future being? I didn't know. Um, I remember I had one conversation with the quote-unquote college counselor, and I think there was only one at the high school at the time, you know, basically to say, you know, like, what are you going to do with your life? And it was a very quick discussion. I'm like, I, I don't know. And it's like, well, what are you thinking about? I, I don't know. You know, it was a very short 10-minute conversation. Yeah. So you were working at COSI. Yes. You're, you're yes. working at COSI. When did you start working at COSI? So I started working at Coast. I hustled a lot of jobs, Steve. I mean, a lot of jobs because <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah. we were raised. You yeah. take the job. If there was a snow day, we shoveled snow for, you know, five hours. I got to Coast through a friend. He was working as a weekend custodian. What that meant was when Coast closed down, you went in and did, you know, floors to ceiling. You know, you're wiping off glass or vacuuming or mopping floors. You did it all, cleaning toilets, that stuff. And it was kind of fun because a friend was there and, you know, we did our job and uh, no one was 
like over our shoulders telling us what to do, how to do it. Yeah, so you're you're doing custodial work yeah. at Kosai. You're hanging out, yeah. and kind of a faithful the faithful moment, the yeah. experience that 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 turned for you yeah. was you were approached. It had to do with the Girl Scouts. It had to do with the Girl Scouts. Yeah. Scouts. We, you know, in the summers we would try to get you know five six days of work, but uh, one year, um, and I must have been eighteen years old or so, nineteen, and I was doing the nighttime custodial shift, and on the weekends, Kosai used to host Girl Scout troops from around the state. And they would come on a Friday evening after school, and they would stay and uh, they'd spend the night in Kosai, and then they would go ahead and leave Saturday midday. And what they would do is they would be presented with different workshops and a little dance at night, and they'd stay up and talk and do all the, the fun things that you would do if you could hang out in Kosai. Yeah. And then Saturday mid late to late day another group would come in so, so as far as you were concerned you were just right, cleaning up cleaning so, up the mess they and were that's making. what i yeah, did right. so i would clean up and yeah. you couldn't get ahead of your work yeah. so you would just punch out when you wanted to get yeah. out and um it just so happened i got to know some of the folks that work there full time that were you know program coordinators or presenters and one of them named jarvis carr approached me when i was um i remember i was vacuuming he tapped me on the shoulder and and he said I wonder if you could help me out. And I said, sure. You know, what do you need? And then he said, well, I need you to teach a class. And uh, a class of what? You know, you know. well, we're short a presenter tonight. And kids are going to be switching to their next workshop. And we need someone to kind of talk to the, the kids and teach them about butterflies. And I said, well, I know a bit about butterflies, but um, no thank you. Yeah, you, you, the no thank you was, was based on what? Like, it was quickly based on, again, pretty much an introvert i've never i've ne had never spoken in front of people ever i'd never even had not even in class you know right like i have never done that and i'm like there is no way you know i did not think I, a i could do it i did not think b that i would like it and c i think that i would be a huge failure too you know like i wouldn't know what to do i mean yeah. it's all foreign to me yeah, you're like I am not getting in front of um, those kids. Not 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 going to do it. No. Yeah, not going to do it. And so what what was the secret <laughs> sauce Jarvis had to, well, to turn you? I think probably his unfounded faith in me. He just kept telling me, "I I think you could do it. And look, you can't fail. And why don't you just do one? Just help me out for this one because you'd be doing a big favor." And the, the reason I did is because I wanted to do the guy a favor. I wanted to help him out, and yeah. that's who I am. Like I want to help people out. Anybody who asks me for anything, pretty much, I'm going to try to help get that or direct them. So the job was unappealing, but you yep. felt like you you wanted right. to do do him do yep. him a solid. And I was probably terrible at it. I remember when I I got in front of those kids, and I was definitely uh, scared, super nervous, yeah, really nervous, yeah. and didn't know if I had the background knowledge. He gave me a kind of a informational background on butterflies, et cetera, and what I'd be speaking about. But I didn't think I still had enough to do it. And so I, I kind of faltered through that. And I thought, okay, I got it done. And then he came over afterwards, you know, because he was doing his own workshop and, and said, you know, the kids said you did a great job. I talked to some of them. And, and so can you do another one tomorrow morning? And I thought, because I really need you. And I said, yes. So I did it the next morning. And then he said, can you do Saturday evening? And I said, yeah, you know, he all finished out the weekend and it was kind of cool because 
I started figuring it out a little bit, and the kids were really forgiving. They right. just wanted to be there to learn something. It, it really sounded to me like it didn't matter too much where I was going with it. They were there excited because they're away from home. They're having a sleepover, and they're with their friends. And they're you know, it was just it's just like a big sleepover fun time. And and I think I got some encouragement from some of the the parents that were there, the troop leaders, and the pay was better. And so I was. I like that idea that it's going to be on on contract. So by the end of that weekend, were you like, well, that was all right. That was all right. Or were you like still kind of like, I don't know why I did that or Jarvis, that was that. I think because of Jarvis's encouragement and because of the positive feedback I got, I thought I can do this. At what point did something turn where you thought, I actually kind of like this? I think probably after the first month of doing it meant to me that I like it and you can have a career of this. It doesn't just have to be in the weekends. It then it doesn't have to be hit or miss. And I was newly enrolled at Capital University. I was young and I thought I'm gonna take education courses. Do you and, remember what you loved about it? Like what was the like what was the appeal for you? I think mainly it was the friendliness of the children they're very forgiving and they're soul healing and you feel like you're doing something that's righteous that's good and that that you can make a difference in it and it's a positive difference it made me feel better about myself and I felt like I was making a positive impact in their lives even if it was just for the weekend and the kids would tell you that and I think the other thing is eventually I started having fun with it and I think it was it was a natural then for me to have fun with teaching. And I thought, wow, this this is a good time. And I knew being a, you know, a student at Bexley that being a student isn't always fun. It isn't always fun. And so I had an opportunity to reach out to some of the students that may have needed encouragement. Of course, when I started taking those education courses at CAP, I felt like, oh, wow. Like this, this is really good uh, for me, and I think that I'm making a, a, a difference. Do you have any clue what you would have been doing had you not taken that job and eventually pursued education? I mean, do you ever think about that, or do you have any? I mean, it's probably impossible to guess, but like, where do you think you might have ended up? I, I would say most likely working at a park. I think that I would be working as a naturalist somewhere, and. I think that would have been a good choice for me too. Right. I do. The introvert and you could have had quiet time and space. Yep. So one of the things about your story that really resonates with me, Eric, is just the immense impact you've had on so many kids' lives, your students, you know, runners, people who have loved you. and, And I think that wouldn't have happened. Like a lot of people whose lives were really enriched by your work, 36 years of work, would not have received that enrichment had somebody not given you the chance to figure out that talent you had. Had somebody not said, you know, why don't you do this? I, I believe in you. And I, I just wonder about, as you have gone through your teaching career, have there been times where you've been thinking, I see potential in kids that they don't see, and I have to nurture that. I have to develop that. I have to invite a kid to try something that they wouldn't have seen themselves because somebody did that for me, and I would never have made it here without that. I want to lift others up because I've been given so many chances. The right. fact of the matter is this. I could not have made it this far and been so involved if people hadn't looked out for me. And I wasn't always aware that people were looking out for me. Most people, including myself, that I know that knew me as a kid growing up, 
would never have thought I would be a teacher here uh, or anywhere. I learned early uh, that children, they need a lot more positive role models around them and a lot less critics. They, we need chances. It's really easy as a teacher to get wrapped up in the, we, we instruct, we assess, we instruct, we assess, you know, we're measuring, we get re- reporting. And the thing about your story is that you were in school, you were doing all this kind of stuff, but it was really the experience of being in charge of that group of Girl Scouts. It was like that, you know, the whole idea of experiential learning it was like you doing something that showed you, you had some talent besides studying or taking a test yeah. or the, the story makes me think about all the opportunities we could look for to create experiences that kids could do that might reveal to them their talents or might reveal to them their strengths or might reveal to them what they love that they would never know in just purely an academic setting. I agree with you. Project-based learning and giving students some understanding of their learning strengths is very important. It's a game changer for um, young people. I learned early on that kids should not be defined by their quote-unquote academic success or how they do on tests. It's hurtful, it's harmful, and their brains are developing, and I don't want them wired that way. I had a student one year, and, and this attests to my ability to teach math. Um, it said, Mr. Acton's class, 70% learning, 110% fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, that, and that matters. He wrote it yeah. in pencil, and it does. We can have fun and work hard. They're not mutually exclusive. And I think that's why so many kids loved you. And I mean, my own children were students Mm -hmm. in your classroom and loved you. And, you know, my wife and I, I mean, what we knew was that our kids were like loving learning. Our Mm -hmm. kids were loving being in school. Our kids were part of a community, a joyful community. And we knew that those things, those parts of their social development were as important as the academic skills in the Ohio Mm -hmm. content standards. I know how unique each child is. That's a fact because... I'm a human. I've been here. I've my own family. Got it right. Check and I've 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 coached and taught thousands of of people. And for some students, going to school is like building a, a brick structure in a hundred degree heat every single day. And I learned pretty quickly that you don't need them to pile on a bunch more work, especially if they're not where they're quote unquote supposed to be compared to their peers. Has it been really hard for you as the standards movement has taken over kind of the last portion of your teaching career, the last quarter or third of it or half of it or whatever, and everything's been so much about testing and standardization, given your recognition of kids' uniqueness and each kid's own need to find their own way and their own path, has that been hard to reconcile with kind of the external demands of testing and standardization? When that started unfolding in my career, I chose to trust myself and to trust that these students were going to understand and learn and we could go at what would be, you know, eight-year-old's pace or a 10-year-old's pace and that I was not going to try to drill them. I was not going to take maybe some of that weight that I was feeling and transfer it to them. And I also told myself early on, then I'll, if, if this is going to be a mess, then I'll do something else but I I won't be a part of drilling kids every day and send a bunch of homework to make sure they get every standard. It sounds like you're ultimately saying, I I didn't want to damage children. I I wasn't going to come to work if that meant creating this stressful environment that was going to be harmful to kids. And and that's that's a fact. I didn't want to be a part of the, the problem. What they remember from school 
is the projects or the where they went or what they learned because let's 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 keep this straight you want to keep students curious and the older you get you want to stay curious you don't want to quote unquote get bored you don't want them bored and i don't want to tell them this is how we do school i want them to be curious and ask questions about things something you said that also resonated was the idea that the stuff you're going to remember and I think when I got into education, one of the things I realized is how much of my own education I completely forgot. Every, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I learned by yes. rote, it was gone. I was teaching some of the things I had learned in high school, and I went back to my high school notes. I'm like, I don't remember any of this stuff. And it's been for me a kind of a, a beacon in my professional life is I want to do things with kids that are going to be resonant for their life, that they will remember 10, 20 years from now will still see as formative. And if I'm doing stuff that kids are going to forget the next day, I feel like I'm wasting their time and I'm wasting my time. That resonates with me as well. Look, we don't remember all those things. We, we just don't. But the fact is there's so much other learning that has to go on. And it's been made pretty crystal clear to me this last year that we're not looking at people performance objectives as much as right and the funny thing is those things that that are the hardest to test and they don't show up on the test those things about how do we collaborate how do we work in a group how do we navigate difficult times how do we approach someone we're having a problem with and negotiate that i mean those are all things that we're all doing as adults and that sometimes get squeezed out of our education because we're trying to rush through the curriculum and yet they're the most enduring and essential things we may learn in school we can take a lot of different strengths and character traits and intelligences and put those to good use. We just need to be aware of them while we're in school and not be so wrapped up in which school I was going to go to if I wasn't going to go to school. Right. Uh, what my GPA I, is. How many... What my GPA is. You know, how well I do in, compared to other people. We need to pay more attention to building on students' individual strengths and we need to let young people know that their grades do not determine their success. You know, I didn't think much about it. I probably by sixth, seventh grade already had in my mind who I was and what I was. I knew where I was on the pecking order socially, you know, athletically, academically, everything. You just knew. But when you talk to folks who have graduated and move on, and this happens at any high school, you get a new freedom, you get another chance, whatever you do. And here's what I found. If and when you, you go to a reunion, you find out that everybody has their own path and their own way of doing things. There's not one way to do it. And that their grades did not necessarily dictate who they were going to be or what was you know what they were going to come up against. So you just submitted your, your letter that's saying this is going to be your last year. It was the end of the road for the Eric Acton show, 36 years of this thing. When you think about, I mean, you got a couple months of teaching left, but what do you want your legacy to be? What do you, what will be the most satisfying thing for you to look back on your career and say, this is what I did and this is why it matters? I wanted to be a parent to students that I valued them, that I knew them, that they had a voice in my classroom or whoever I worked with, even coaching that they, they felt connected and that I worked hard to make sure that I recognized them as individuals first and foremost and that I respected them and what they had to contribute. Everybody can be a leader and everybody has something valuable to contribute. I wanted them to know that I was kind and caring in those ways. That's what I would want to be known for. 
I don't know if Jarvis is still around, or, but if you could see Jarvis, what would you say to him today? I would right away hug him and thank him for believing in me and laughing and smiling and having a good time too because that's what he showed me because that's how he handled himself. I think it's important for all of us to look back and I appreciate you bringing that up to me and to thank the people who helped you along the way. When I was lucky enough to land back at Cassingham, there were still a few teachers around that I had and there were still some in the middle in high school and I had a chance to do that and to thank them because I was tickled to be working with them and very honored and and I always revered my teachers. Well, you know, Jarvis made an unbelievable impact on you, but I think I should be writing Jarvis a thank you <laughs> letter too because he saw in you that potential yeah. that led you to see that potential in my own children and in thousands of kids mm-hmm. in our community. And so kind of on behalf of everyone who has been touched by your work, and there are so many of us, thank you for loving and caring for our mm-hmm. kids, for giving them the chance to grow, for, for seeing them as more than numbers and recognizing that their talents could be nurtured and developed as opposed to ranked and sorted. And you, you've been a blessing to this community. Thanks for everything, Eric. I appreciate that sentiment. And it's truly been an honor and a privilege. And I am, I'm looking forward to the future. And I only have good memories. So thank you to the, this community. Experience Matters is recorded in Bexley, Ohio, in the shadow of downtown Columbus. Our producer and sound engineer is Ezra Lewis, a junior at Bexley High School. Our killer theme music was written and performed by Isaac Rowe, a Bexley High School graduate and current music student at The Ohio State University. Experience Matters is supported by the Bexley Community Foundation and the Bexley Public Library. My name is Steve Shapiro, and you can look me up on Twitter at Stephen T. Shapiro, or on my website at stephentshapiro.com. Here's a secret to life that I've shared with thousands of students and, of course, with my own children. There is no such thing as an interesting person. There are just people who do interesting things. You can be one of them. All you have to do is seek out and say yes to new experiences.